Are you guys ready for God's word today? Well, hey, let's pray and prepare our hearts. Father, we love you and we just thank you for who you are. We pray, Jesus, that you would open our hearts and that you would soften our hearts. We recognize that you are with us right now. You're here in this room. And we just come and we just say and we confess that we desire for you to transform us. We desire for you to change us, confront our hearts, challenge our assumptions. In Jesus' awesome name, somebody say amen. Amen. Well, in this Global Impact series, the whole goal of this series is to begin to stir our hearts into action. Somebody say action. Not just stir our hearts, but stir our hearts into action so that we as a church can make a global impact, so that you as a person can make a global impact. You know, the first couple weeks of the series, we're focusing in on local missions, on what God is doing in our local community. But when we're talking about a global impact, it's not just locally that we're focused on, it's also globally, which includes foreign missions and sending missionaries. And you'll hear more about that in weeks to come. You know, as we looked in the passage in Acts last week, we kind of took a look at some practice, some practical ways at the life of Philip and some mechanics about living on mission. But what if you're somebody who has maybe never had a desire to live on mission before? Whenever it comes to Global Impact Month, maybe it's never been a month that you have been excited about before. Is it because there's something wrong with you? Um, is global impact only for people who are bold and have the right personality? Well, I want you to know that those two things are not the case. It is not just for bold and the brave, but global impact is for the meek-hearted and the mild and the quiet and everything in between. See, here's the reality. Here's what I know. I know this, that having a missional heart is just an issue of discipleship and development. It's not an issue of personality and, and do I get really excited when the preacher talks about it. It's a matter of discipleship. And discipleship sits at the core of every relationship with Jesus. And here's the truth. Until we begin to exercise this new muscle of being a global impact-minded person, we will never be that. You know, um, just like physical fitness and developing muscles, if you never do any types of workouts, you will never exercise those muscles. They will never build and they will never grow until you begin to get down on your hands and knees and do some push-ups and begin to do something about it. And usually at first, it's not very fun. It kind of hurts. It's painful. And, and you don't feel really good at it. You kind of feel weak. And meanwhile, you've got other people over here who've been, been working really hard for a long time. And they're just like, uh, what's wrong with you? You know, one-handed push-ups. And when you're comparing yourself to some great evangelists and and people like Veronica Escobedo and and Becky Garner, and and they're sharing stories all the time about sharing their faith, they've been doing it for a long time. They've been exercising those muscles for a long time. So don't get intimidated about that. If you could just kind of get down there and do one, if you could just just stir it up in your heart to just hand a card to somebody and say, hey, um, here, read this, and and walk away like a weirdo. You know, just kind of get started. You know, it's important that we get started. There's a, there's a show, an old show on TV called The Biggest Loser. And this was a competition to see who could lose the most weight over a period of time with training and development. And as people train and they develop, they begin to see incredible results in their life, all because they started. They started doing something. They started exercising the muscles of physical fitness and health. And it 
ultimately turned into incredible habits in their life. If you have never been a person who has lived on mission before, there's nothing wrong with you. You just have not developed those muscles before. The title for our message today is Developing a Heart for Missional Living. I believe that God's inviting us to change our hearts, to get our hearts to think more like him. And we're going to do that today by looking at one of the greatest Old Testament evangelists. His name is Isaiah. How did Isaiah have such a heart for missional living? We're going to answer this question today as we look at a passage from Isaiah 61. And it's so cool how God always works. But our missionary Paul came up, by the way, my second cousins, uh, he came up and he talked about Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. So we're going to read that today, but before we read it, I want to give you a little bit of context about this passage. First of all, to know about the person Isaiah is to know that uh, he's known as the evangelical prophet in the Old Testament. He's known as uncompromising, very sincere and compassionate. A few things to know about the book of Isaiah itself throughout all the scriptures. Of course, we know that it's in the Old Testament, but when we look at Isaiah's writings and we begin to get familiar with them, we begin to notice that his writings are actually quoted all throughout the New Testament. In fact, the passage we're going to look at today, Jesus himself quoted this very passage in Luke chapter 4. What's really important to understand about the passage we're going to read today is not only was this a message of deliverance to Israel, this was actually a prophetic message of what Jesus would do for people when he came to earth. Are you ready to read it together? Here's what Isaiah 61 says. It says this, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom and liberty to the captives and the open doors of prisons to those who were bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God and to comfort all who mourn. It's so cool when we look at the beginning and the opening verses of this that we actually get to see the entire triune God right here in this scripture. You know, we notice Isaiah declares in the front end, he says, the spirit. Do you see that? He says, the spirit. He says, If we ask Isaiah, Isaiah, the spirit of who? Isaiah would say the spirit of the Lord God, the father, the one who put everything into creation, the one that thought of it and imagined it and dreamed it. And he continues and he says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon who? Isaiah says me. Now, if we understand the context, Jesus actually opens this same scroll years later in Luke 4 and he reads And we begin to understand today that this me is actually speaking about Jesus. So here we see the entire Trinity at the beginning of this as we're talking about developing a heart for missional living. Listen, it is the heart of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that we are people who live on mission. Let's take a look at this passage to notice some things about Isaiah's heart for missional living. In your notes, here's the bottom line. Isaiah had a revelation from God, period. What's a revelation? A revelation is simply a gift from God to fulfill, to fill the spaces of unbelief in our life. See, we can't have belief without God giving us a revelation. We can't know God without him moving upon our heart. We can read the scriptures, but without the spirit of God in the scriptures and moving to transform us, we can truly never know him. 
See, without a revelation from God, Isaiah would have never known to declare a message like this. He would have never said the spirit of the Lord God. He would never say, I heard the spirit of God speak to me. And that's what he's revealing to us here. I heard him speak. What did he speak, Isaiah? We're going to talk about that today. See, to develop a heart for missions requires a heart that hears. We will never be missional people unless we catch a revelation and we hear the voice of God and we hear the heart of God. Now, I'm not talking about hearing the audible voice of God. I'm talking about God speaking in some of the most common ways through reading scripture, speaking into our hearts, speaking to us through his people. You know, many of you can probably look back on your life and you can say, I remember when God began to speak to me. I can remember when he began to give me revelation that he was real. And as I think about my story, I can think about being a young boy when God started putting seeds in my heart and, and my Aunt Valley invited me to church when I was about seven years old and, 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 and drove me and my brother and my other cousins, like a ton of us in a little Volkswagen VW, uh, uh, VW bug. And, and it was like, today it's illegal to sit in the back spaces and trunks, but we did that when we were kids, man. We were packed in there, head was bopping against the back of the window. I mean, it's all very familiar to me. And I can remember when my, my parents later began to take us to church as well. And, and I can remember some of my best friends, uh, Scott and, and Josh, beginning to speak to me about the Lord and, and getting around their family. The Lord was unveiling himself and, and, and beginning to show me who he really is. And when I was a senior in high school, before I decided to make a decision to follow Jesus, Joe, the meat slicer at the very first job I ever owned. Can you imagine? It was a sandwich shop, somebody (laughs) called Togo's. Now, listen, you don't know anything about Togo's unless you're from the West Coast. But if you're from the West Coast, you know a little bit about Togo's. And and this meat slicer, he was from an apostolic background, very fired up. He would get on the intercom at night as I was mopping the floors out in the lobby. And he'd be like, Sean, you better get on your knees, drop that mop and let God clean your heart. Stop cleaning the floors and let him touch your life. And he would just preach to me and he would just like, I mean, he would just get down and with it. But I can remember when God was giving me a revelation. Do you remember when God gave you a revelation and began to show you that he was real? As we look at this passage to understand how we might develop a greater heart, and maybe you've never had a heart for missional living, how we can develop a heart for missional living. In your notes, I want us to notice this, that Isaiah had a revelation that told him God is real. God is real. See, the existence of God has been debated since the very beginning in all of history. The world has tried to discredit the existence of God. People have written books on it. People have said lots of things about it. They say God doesn't exist, that he's dead, that he's not alive, but Isaiah knew different. In verse one, we see Isaiah declared, the spirit of the Lord, he is real, he exists, he is alive. Friends, if we're gonna develop a heart for missional living, we need a revelation from God that tells us the spirit of the Lord God is real and he is alive. How about you? Do you believe this today? If you don't have a revelation like Isaiah, and I know that many people wrestle over the existence of God. Many unbelievers wrestle over the existence of God. 
And many believers, sometimes after they've been in church for a really long time, begin to question and, and they begin to wonder and influences begin to enter their life. And they begin to, they, they struggle and they face difficulty and they, they hear stories on social media and they hear the bad news and they hear the bad press and they hear all the negative stuff. And they too begin to wonder, well, how could God allow all these things to happen? How could, how could all this happen? If God is real, why would he allow all these things to happen? And people begin to doubt. It's very normal in the faith journey. And perhaps if that's you today and you need a revelation from God and you need to find out, God, do you really exist? Here's how you do that if you need a revelation like this. In your notes, ask for a revelation. It's just really simple. You know, James 1.5 says, if any of you lack wisdom, the word wisdom means insight, knowledge, perception. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously, somebody say generously, to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. James is simply saying, if you need to know God is real, just ask him. Just ask him. And I want to invite you in this moment, because I don't know who's in this room. I don't know who's doubting in their faith. I don't know who's struggling in their faith. But I'm going to invite you right now just about to close your eyes. And just ask him if you're struggling. And we're just going to all do it together right now for maybe just the couple who may be struggling. And I just want you to ask the question to God. God, are you real? God, if you're real, speak to me. Holy Spirit, give us a revelation. Show us that you're not a, a God, little g, among a bunch of gods, but you are the God of the world, the real God. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, God wants to reveal himself to people. And I think it's so important as a church that we understand that and realize that. Because sometimes we think we're out living on mission on our own. We think God slapped us on the butt and says, go get him, tiger. And then just watches you from way over here and leaves you out to go on your own. No, God is out moving among his people. And in fact, you aren't going out on your own. You're going with him. And he's moving people's hearts around, working to give people a revelation the same way he did for you and the, the same way he started for me when I was a little boy, planting seeds along my life, along my journey. So I begin to see him and, and he begins to be unfolded until that one moment that that person gets a bunch of credit when really there was a lot of people along the line giving me revelation and speaking about God and revealing his love and revealing his kindness and his goodness until that moment comes to fruition and I go, God, you are real. We don't know what part in the journey we're going to be, but we just are faithful to our part. We're talking about developing a heart for mission today. If we want a heart that makes a global impact in our neighborhood and around the world, it would be wise for us to develop a heart for missional living. We're looking at the life of Isaiah. The second thing I notice in this passage is Isaiah had a revelation that told him God is relational. Somebody say relational. relational. We see this in, in Isaiah 61 verse, verse 1b, the, the second part of the verse. Here's what it says. Isaiah says, it's the spirit of the Lord, the God of the universe, he's real and He's upon me. Yeah, this word upon denotes power and presence of God. Yeah. God doesn't just exist, but he is upon me. He is with me. His presence is with me. He's saying God wants to have an intimate and personal relationship with me. Yeah. 
You know, when I was on sabbatical and taking some time off with uh, this last month of February, by the way, Chris and I had an incredible time and we're so grateful to the board and our pastor for encouraging us to take this time. Uh, it was so incredible. We're f- so energized and so fueled up and ready to go. But uh, the last week of our time, I, I went up to uh, Arkansas with my best friend, Tramel, and he said, Sean, do you know that God doesn't just love you, but he likes you? God doesn't just love you, but he likes you. What a revelation for believers that are always working so hard, feeling like they're never enough for God. That God loves you, but he likes you. I'm telling you, God generally loves everybody in the world, John 3.16 tells us, but he has a special relationship with those who love him back. He doesn't just love them, but he actually likes them and he wants a relationship with them. You know, you're probably a lot like me. I, I love everybody because it's a command of God, but those who love me back, I like them. And I wanna have a relationship with them. I wanna engage and be a part of their life. Why? Because I'm like my heavenly father. Did you imagine walking through your neighborhoods and your classrooms and your schools and the workplace, imagining God loved these people so deeply. And if they would only love him back, they would only realize that he actually likes them a whole lot. And we don't have to get it twisted. He doesn't like anybody's sin. He doesn't like anybody's sinful behavior. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about God loves his creation at the core. And when we surrender our life to him, we're a people that God loves and that he likes because we serve a relational God. Why is it so important to know that God is relational? Because Most other religions don't offer a relational God. Most other religions, people have to work to earn their relationship with God. And the world has Christianity confused with many other religions, and we have the opportunity to go and tell them the correct story. Christianity is the only religion that teaches about a God who comes to us. Romans 5.8 says, but God showed his love and that while we were still sinners, he left the heavens and he came to earth and he died on the cross for our sin because he wants a relationship with us. How many know this is really good news for you and me? And this is really good news for the names of the people written on the card in front of you. This is good news for the lost. You know, so many people think they need to work hard so that their life can be cleaned up and then they can come to God. We all know the story very well. In fact, I was, I was at Dino's, uh, Dino's Sub after my wife was talking about subs last week in her sermon. I was like, I'm going to Dino's today. I just got to get me a hot pastrami. And so I went to Dino's. I met a young man and, and uh, we were talking and, uh, and I asked him if he had a home church. And he said, oh man, I used to go to church way back in the day. But, you know, church always says, come as you are, but they didn't really mean that. Friends, I'm telling you that Jesus really means it when he says, come as you are. He's not waiting for you to clean yourself up. Here's a newsflash. You can't clean yourself up. It's impossible. I'm reminded of the story in John 13 when Jesus comes to wash Peter's feet. Do you remember the story? And he bends down and Peter says, no, Jesus, don't wash my feet. you imagine people are so afraid to walk through the doors because they're so aware of how dirty they are? They're so aware, they're, they're so full of shame about the lives that they lived. And they, they are like, I do not want God to see that. No, Jesus, don't wash my feet. 
I don't know if Peter was just wanting another servant to wash his feet, or I don't know if perhaps maybe Peter is wondering, maybe I should just wash my own feet. This one is too messy for the Lord. And Jesus came to Peter, and he bent down, and he said, Peter, unless I wash you, you can have no part with me. Your washing will never do it. Your washing is never good enough. But my washing will clean you perfectly. He washes Peter's feet, and then he declares to Peter, Peter, you are clean. You could never do that for you. I could never do. I spent so many years trying to serve God, scrubbing and cleaning my own heart, trying to deal with my own shame and my own sin issues until I finally caught a revelation. And Jesus said, Sean, put the towel down. I'm going to wash you clean. This is the message that the world needs to hear. This is the revelation that the church needs to get so that when we go interact with the loss, that we tell them, just come as you are. Don't you worry about it just for a minute. By the way, you could scrub and clean all day long. It will never be enough. Just come on into the house and let Jesus come down and clean your feet. Jesus came to clean the feet of the lost he came to clean the feet of the drug addicted. He claimed to keep clean the feet of the porn addict. He came to clean the feet of the substance abuser. He claimed to clean the feet of the heterosexual. He came to clean the feet of the homosexual. Hello, all of us need cleaning. He came to clean us. In your notes, somebody say this, God wants a relationship with me. See, he came to have a relationship so that people could say, like Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He loves me and he likes me. I got to tell you, church, to develop a heart for missional living, it happens when we invest in our relationship with God. It's called discipleship. We don't get a missional heart without discipleship. See, when we skip the step of discipleship and we go into mechanics and our heart is not in it, we're in danger of a couple things. One, we're in danger of being stuck as immature and undeveloped believers, just going through the motions. That's not the vision of the grace place. That's why constantly you're hearing people invite you to starting point, discipleship track, cultivation classes. They're challenging you to do things. They're challenging you to think missionally. We're asking you to write people's names down. We're asking you to pray for people so that you begin to see the harvest and God can bring the harvest. Why? Because this is the heart of God for us to live on mission. But without discipleship, without moving into these steps, our hearts will be undeveloped. Here's the other danger. If we never move into a space of discipleship and begin to develop our relationship with Jesus, we're also in danger of reproducing undiscipled disciples. <laughs> Undisciplined disciples. People who pass on a form of Christianity, but not the true deep essence of Christianity. That's why, that's, that's why we, we get so many people so easily to raise their hand and give their heart to Jesus, but people oftentimes never enter into the discipleship journey, and they miss out on the ultimate call of God. They miss out on the true cleansing and the, and the revelation and the discipleship process and beginning to mirror his heart. We're talking about developing a heart for missional living. Lastly, Isaiah had a revelation that not only told him God was real, that God was relational, but also that God is the anointer. Now, my wife was like, babe, you better check to make sure that's a real word. I was like, babe, 
we're past that already. I'm making up words. I'm, I'm doing what I need to do to make these words fit in here. And we looked up and by golly, it's a real word. So take that. <laughs> Isaiah says in, in verse one, that the latter part, okay, the, the latter part of verse one, the spirit of the Lord, Isaiah says, I hear him. He is real. And guess what? He is upon me. He wants a relationship with me. And, and, and if we were to say, well, Isaiah, what is he doing with you? Isaiah would say, the Lord has anointed me to bring good news. That's what he's about. The word anointing in scripture is a symbol that somebody has been set apart by God for a special work. Examples are seen in Saul and, and David when they are anointed as king. And, and Isaiah knew that he was set apart and anointed for something specific by God. How about you today? How about the local church today? Do we know that we have been anointed and set apart as the church, as his bride, for something great? Why has he set us apart? Well, because he's making us like him. Well, because God is a missional God himself. He's always been on the move. He's, he was on mission to create the world. He was on mission to create you. And he was on mission to redeem you. He's been on mission ever since the beginning. And if we're going to mirror who God is, we need to be people who are living on mission. Why are we on mission in your notes? Because God not only wants a relationship with you, but he wants a relationship with your neighbor. Yeah. He actually loves your neighbor. Yeah, I know. The barking dog. <laughs> I get it. The loud parties. You know, the, the annoying parking habits. They don't do their lawn like you do. Or they're always griping at you because you never do your lawn. I don't know what they do. But he wants a relationship with your neighbors. He wants one with your coworkers and your family members and your friends and your classmates and the dude over at Dino Subs. He wants a relationship with your one. See, God has a higher purpose for your neighbor. The same way he has a high purpose for you, he has a high purpose for them. See, he died for them too. He wants them to hear his voice and get a revelation too. He wants them too to be anointed and set apart. He has a call for their life that they would answer it. He has a purpose for them the same way that you have a purpose. See, God has not just saved you for you. Oh, he has saved you for you, but he's not only saved you for you. He saved you to be on mission with him. What kind of news, what kind of mission are we on? Well, Isaiah 2 tells us this, and as we get ready to close for the service today, we're going to kind of blast through these. I won't spend like five points explaining this one verse like we did this last one. What kind of news did he ask us to deliver? Well, he asked us to deliver good news. Good news. Somebody say good news. It's not bad news. It's not heavy news. It's not laborsome news. Read about it. Matthew 11, the message version. Jesus says this. He says, and this is what my heart is declaring to this young man at Dino's who goes, man, coming to church, they don't really mean come as you are. Jesus said this, are you tired? Are you worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. Jesus says, I will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace and I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely 
and lightly. Can you imagine if the world was able to capture the essence of the gospel, the essence of the words of Jesus that said, hey, come as you are. I won't lay anything heavy on you. In fact, I will take a load off you. I will take your load of sin off of you. I won't apply anything on you that you cannot handle, and I will enable you. I will put a grace in you. They will empower you, and they will strengthen you. Jesus says, my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Friend, if you're not living this way in Christ, you will never be able to share a gospel like this. Jesus is encouraging his church, take the load off. (laughs) Get free in Jesus. Begin to realize that his burden is easy. His yoke is light. His grace will empower you to do things that are difficult. Yeah, outside of his grace, they're heavy. It's difficult. It's hard. But with him, it is easy and it is light. This news is not only good news, but it's news that frees. Romans 6.18 says, this good news declares that in Christ you've been set free from sin. It's news that frees people. He brings good news that not only frees, but it heals and it comforts. He brings good news that declares favor over your life, Isaiah said. By the way, you did a really good job. I I think maybe we're in tune. The Lord was maybe speaking to us because we're preaching on Isaiah 61. Paul was sharing their ministry with our kids. How many of you guys love that our missionaries go back and talk to our kids? Man, it builds our hearts, our kids' hearts for missions. Man, every time Ellie's like, I met a missionary, a real missionary. They're from Germany, and she gets so inspired. I'm believing that some of your kids are going to be called the mission today to go and be the hands and feet of Jesus overseas because we have a pastor who brings missionaries into this house and doesn't think of your kids as second rate and he invites these missionaries to go in and speak into the lives of your kids. But he brings news that brings favor over your life. Did you know, church, that you walk in the favor of God? And if this is not discipled, discipled in us, we will never be people who live on mission realizing that I have favor everywhere I go. And this was a declaration of Isaiah. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he declares favor upon you. I know so many Christians, and I understand the sentiment of this. They say, hey, I've got this going on in my life, and I need favor with this picture. I need favor with that. I think maybe we should just start saying, God, I believe your word. I have a revelation that in Christ, I and full and complete. And as Jesus walked in full favor, I walk in full favor just like he does. And I thank you, Lord, that I've got favor with this person. And I got favor with that person. I thank you, God, that when I move into the space that is usually difficult, I thank you for extra favor today as I move in this space. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just walk in it and believe it. See, when you go on mission with God in the fullness of God, you're moving on mission with the favor of the Lord upon your life. I'm telling you, church, if we're people who are intentional, we're people who realize that God exists, that God is real, that he wants a relationship with us, and he is upon us. He is moving inside of us, and we begin to exercise those muscles, and we begin to take steps of discipleship, and we engage in communities of people who are challenging us in this place, challenging us to read our Bible, challenging us to get in God's word where true revelation comes, challenges us to pray and move and be involved in community that thinks and, and thinks and lives on mission, we will become missional people. Yeah. It will be nearly impossible for you not to. Yeah. I believe that we have a church that has got a vision and, and for others who are new to our church, they're catching a vision for missional living. Today, our takeaway in the message is this, that we are all surrounded by a community ready for a revelation. <laughs> 
I mean, they are just bussing at the seams. People want a revelation from God, and God has positioned you specifically in your community to bring that revelation. The next part of our takeaway is this. They will capture it as God's people live on mission. Listen, we're God's plan A. There's no plan B. We're his plan A here. He wants to move through us, and he wants us to live on mission. 